0: Drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth,
1: Chad Burton. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, feel free to shoot me an email. It's just chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. And, uh, well, Welcome in also to the worst mid-year election market results, I think, in history so far. Now, mid-year elections, oddly enough, in the stock market are typically a little rough until May, and then you get a little bit of a rebound. But um, no, we saw the market at one point pull back 20% from its highs, from its recent highs, which signaled that bear market. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today because... You know, when you're younger, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, it it shouldn't bother you at all. I know it's painful to watch statements go down in value, but that's when you should try to increase your 401k contributions, fund your Roths early, do things like that. But when you're getting close to retirement, you're looking at this money in your 401k, your Roth, your your other accounts. You say, "Hey, this is got to last me 35 years," and now it's down. when When my financial plans are projecting even rates of return, well. That's why we say when it comes to financial planning, you do conservative rates of return on your linear cash flow projections, and then you have to test it the right way with Monte Carlo simulations and then have a tax efficient distribution strategy. It all comes into play because I expect these types of years to occur. If you've been listening to Rob and I on radio since 1999 together, he's been doing it longer than that, but that's when I started doing stuff with him on radio. I expect these all the time. And the market averages 10, 11% when you have 20, 30-year periods pretty easily. And um, 70% of the time it's positive, 30% of the time it's negative. And we're going to talk about that because these things are expected. And you, it's the things that you do when the market is down that can ruin your returns, whether it's sell out of fear of having to sell to pay expenses that that can really affect your long-term returns other than that the market always always recovers now where are we at for the year so far if we're looking at some of the my favorite indexes via etfs exchange traded funds those are just basically a basket of either stocks or bonds that trade like a stock whereas a mutual fund trades once a day so etfs way uh to easily way to look at it if you look at the uh, U.S. bond market, and you look at AGG. That's a symbol of Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond Index. It's a, it's a way to actually invest in the index. It's down 8.3 percent for the year. International developed. If you look at EFA, is down 11.5 percent for the year. So international stocks actually outperforming U.S. stocks. Spider SPY is down 14.4 percent for the year. Emerging markets EEM down. for the year. And IWM, that's a Russell 2000, so you're going to get some small and mid-cap in there, down 17.7% for the year. And QQQ, which is the tech-heavy large-cap growth index, is down 24.67% for the year. So because the bonds, and both that's municipal and U.S. general bonds, are down, it's been one of the toughest years for a balanced portfolio since 2008. And that's why you're hearing all these you know, comments out on, again, I don't watch CNBC at all, but uh, I do like Bloomberg. Um, oh, the sixty forty portfolio is broken. It's not working anymore. Well, there's been a couple of things. First of all, you got to look at 15, 20-year periods because if even if you look at international stocks, it's been a bad decade for sure. Major U.S. outperformance. But U.S. international stocks are down so much in 2020 and in 2021 underperformed already trading at recessionary levels. That's why they're not falling as much in a, in a tough environment. So would not give up on international investing in any way, shape or form Um, that we reduced. Yeah. But are we giving up? No. Um, If you get a better situation with supply chain issues, um, and COVID, I think you're, and, and obviously Russia and Ukraine is affecting that, then you could see some explosion, some really explosive growth there. Um, not yet, though. Now, when I talk about these returns, the SP 500 being down 14.4%, the NASDAQ, which has a lot of the same companies as the SP 500, just concentrated more in tech, is down uh, 24, a little over 24%. But you got to put things in perspective because let's look at the two year total returns, which includes dividends. S&P 500 still up 30.45%. The Russell 2000 up 13 International developed up six. Emerging markets uh, down four. And the bond market is down 32 And if you look at an overall balanced fund, something like the in- Vanguard Balance Index uh, Fund, is up 15.9%-ish or so, right around in there. So, st- so if you put things in perspective, we still have pretty darn good results for that two-year period. Now I will say that recession odds are increasing and that's okay because we tend to have those every seven years or so, seven to 10 years. We have low inventory, which is less stuff for people to sell and and supply chain issues. And we have higher wages, which is going to hit the bottom line. It's going to hit profitability. That's the, the earnings and the PE ratio, right? And the consumer strain, Walmart and target the, you know, the, basically the comments weren't great. They have, you know, their margins are getting hit by inflationary and they don't feel like they can pass on costs right now. Now, can you imagine if there's still a lot of people that are doing a lot of working from home and these fuel costs would be hitting us a bit harder if that wasn't the case to keep that in mind. And what blows me away, I talk about this quite a bit, but it's like the the Federal Reserve and and the government doesn't want to acknowledge what happened with the PPP money. All this uh, forgivable loans that went to businesses because most businesses thought that they were going to see a 40 to 50% decline in revenue in 2020 because of COVID lockdowns. Most businesses didn't end up needing it, but they got the loans forgiven anyways because they followed the the rules. And all of that money flooded into our system. It swung us from a service-based to a goods-based economy for a while where people bought everything and that money will start to fade, and and so we're already seeing a swing back from huge increase in goods buying, you know, car, buying stuff, to back to services. The jobs numbers were decent, um, and the bond market is telling us that the fears of inflation are waning a bit. We went from the ten-year treasury on May sixth, yielding three point one two percent, back down to two point seven five percent today that means people bought bonds and the rates, the bond prices went up and the rates went down. So now granted that can signal a fear of recession where people are saying, Ooh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pile into us treasuries because we're, we're seeing a recession in play. And man, if you look at 80 and 81, where interest rates went up to fight inflation drastically, not anywhere near like we had now, then you had, I think 82, the bond market rallied like almost 30% or so. Um, I don't see a situation like that, but Strategis is a company that, uh, we look to, to get macro economic analysis. Um, they said on Monday, bottom line, we continue to use a 40% chance of us recession, a 50% chance of a softest landing. That means the federal reserve will raise rates at the right pace to slow down the economy and get inflation back under control and a 10% upside surprise. Uh, macro policy is generally aimed at getting supply and demand to balance, but additional global shocks like Russia, Ukraine, China, health lockdowns have made this a difficult task in 2022 for for a soft landing. Essentially, talking a little bit more about the overall market, uh, you know, what I like to do is really when when stuff when I see stuff fall like 20 plus percent, uh, I'm I'm going shopping. Right, I, I love those types of falls. Now, can it get worse? If we do go into a recession, yeah, it can get worse. But it's still even more buying opportunities for the long term because when you invest in the stock market, you're investing for 10 plus years. And even though if you think, hey, there's a pretty high chance of a recession here, and when that happens, stocks tend to fall 20 to 40%, you don't sell because if you do, in a taxable account, you pay taxes and you miss out on dividends. And in a retirement account, you miss out on dividends. And then you got to call the right entry point again. And nobody does that correctly. They just don't. I've been doing this for almost 29 years and it just doesn't happen. So rebalancing on the way up and maintaining a certain portfolio and a level of risk and doing the same thing on the rebound on the, or on the downside where you're continuing to not panic. You have enough cash on the sidelines to pay expenses. For retirees, that's three years worth of portfolio draw should be somewhere safe. And this is why I talk about these distribution strategies where in retirement, it's safe to take, you know, you have your total expenses, but then you have your social security and some pension and some maybe some real estate income and dividends and interest. And you need the rest of the portfolio draws that you're going to take to pay the rest of your expenses. You need three years worth of that cash because you have periods where stocks and bonds go down together. This is a perfect example of why I preach this so much since 1999 on the air. With that said, right now it's not a time to just get way out over your skis. If you're a traditional, you know, balanced portfolio, like a 60-40 or 70-30 investor, stocks versus bonds, you don't want to go way out over your skis right now because there is still chance of recession. There is I see that I, I believe that we're three to six months away from peak inflation. And then you'll start to have comparables. And when you're comparing, it's usually Inflation, you know, this quarter was up X amount versus the same quarter a year ago, the comparables will get easier and it should level out. Now, if there's continued supply chain disruptions and other things like that without a slowdown um, in demand, then that could change a bit. So that's something that we're obviously focusing on a lot is that inflationary data. So it's not time to go way out and get even way more aggressive unless you're like 20, 30, 40 years old and you got a ton of time. And it's definitely not time to ever sell out. You just concentrate on quality. I've been pounding the table over the last couple of years that most portfolios of people that come in and our advisors review what they're doing, they were overly concentrated on large cap growth. And that's where the PE ratios got elevated to 28% plus, or 28 plus rather. And that's the stuff that's getting hit pretty hard. And if you got a, a stock and a PE ratio is above you know 22 23 and it's not growing revenue well 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 into the double digits if it comes out with a bad earnings report you're going to see a big hit to the downside that's what we've seen that's what happens in markets you get you get the fomo phase remember when we were talking about the fomo phase last year and i was telling you how um, my 17 year old daughter in high school or i heard of friends have Robinhood accounts and they're trading stocks in between classes, right? <laughs> How that work? How did those meme stocks work out for everybody? Um, so you get that fear of missing out and people pile into the real speculative stuff. It go, it pops. And then that's the first stuff that just drops super hard. And I go through that as an advisor too. I go through periods during markets where you're maintaining a balanced portfolio that's meant to grow at a certain level with the, uh, uh, least amount of drawdown as you can have to maintain a rate of return that you need for retirement, and as you mature into a big bull market rally, clients start to ask, "Why aren't you in this stuff? Why aren't you more of this stuff? Why are, this is doing really well? Why don't we move shift more into this stuff?" And there's this kind of sh- period of time where they feel like they're disappointed because it's not outperforming the f- real speculative stuff, and then there's that big correction, and they're like, "Boy, I'm glad we weren't in this stuff." And so it's, you see what I mean? It's the fear of missing out. And then, and then you have to fight the panic of people wanting to cash in at the bottom and make mistakes. So as part of distribution planning and retirement, it's always, you're always expecting the best out of the market, but you're always prepared for the worst, always prepared to the worst. Now, if we look at, um, you know, some of the areas of the market, uh, well, let, let's talk about the stock market in terms of recessionary levels. In twenty twenty, the fear of a really large recession hit in, in April of 2020. That was the stock market peaked out in 2020 in, in February. And then it dropped over the next month by 35%. But by August, by August, just six months later, it had fully recovered. That was one of the steepest drops in the quickest recoveries in market history. This year, the market topped out in the beginning of the year, right in January and is now down about 14% total return. So that includes dividends. Um, but in May, we did hit a point on a price level of a negative 20% from the top, which signaled this is a bear market. This, this That's that's what a bear market is. And so the measurements now become, it's always rear looking. The, the When did the bear market end? Well, it's when the, the the bottom is put in and then you exceed the new high, the old high. So let's look at asset allocation because people ask all the time, especially early retirees, do I have to change anything now? We we just went through a stock market decline and even balanced portfolios because bonds are down or down, you know, say 11, 12% range in some cases if there's international exposure and small cap exposure, do I have to change anything? Is this going to be a problem? Well, if you never went into this with, with enough cash on the sidelines and, and you haven't done the right thing in terms of turning on the tap for your dividends and interest, you might have to change something. But if you went into retirement the right way, which is a balanced portfolio plus three years worth of portfolio draws and save money, you're fine. And, history repeats itself in the stock market. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples um, on portfolios that have occurred. If you look at an all-stock portfolio, and this is going to be represented basically by uh, the S&P 500, if you look at over the last 50 years, the average return has been 12.3% if you look at a diversified stock portfolio. And by the way, if you shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com, I can give you an example of what I'm looking at. It's 100% cash, a fixed income portfolio, a 75-25, a 50-50, a 25-75, 100% stock. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass, or the wait I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass, the will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all free pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass, endless travel for 2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at InspiratoPass.com. Let's talk a little bit more about the stock market because it's a rough year, but these these years happen. These, these kind of things happen quite a bit. Um, Started in this business in 93, so been through the tech correction, the credit crisis, um, the Asian monetary crisis, the financial crisis, trade war issues of 2018, the COVID sell-off, been through it all. If you look at the stock market, let's just look at two comparables, a 50-50 balanced portfolio and 100% stocks. The average return over the last 50 years, and this ends on, we, I haven't updated this, um, the team needs to update it for the end of 2021, but it wouldn't be much different because the 50-year return at the end of 2020, average return for the SP and 500, 12.3%. The number of years that were positive were 78% of the years so of the last 50 years positive. The average gain when the market's positive is 19.4%, where the average loss when the market's negative is negative 14. So that's what we're sitting at right now. If we ended the year today, that's where, that's where we are. This is not out of the ordinary. This is so normal. It's just not fun to live through. Now, the largest loss for a single year was 37%. That would have been 08, right? And that was not the the, the total decline. The, the stock market declined nearly 50% from the top of uh, October 2007 to March of 2009. But um, it, it's pretty typical. So usually, Rob and I say the market's positive 70% of the time. In the last 50 years, it's actually been 78. Now, if we look at a balanced portfolio, the average return goes from 123 to 9.7%, but the number of positive years goes to 84%. The average gain drops from 194 to 12.5% a year. The largest gain, 27% versus 37. The average loss of a 50-50 portfolio over the last 50 years was 5%. So uh, the largest loss was negative 12%, which is about where we're sitting right now. So we are sitting because stocks haven't fallen as much as 08, but bonds have fallen 8, 9%. This is one of the worst balanced portfolio years since 08. But it, when you look at this scenario seventy four percent of the time a balanced portfolio outperforms inflation, and seventy four percent of the time a hundred percent stock portfolio fight uh, beats inflation. The best way to fight inflation is invest in stocks um, we also have exposure to commodities, which is you know obviously something that's up nicely this year and that was from a reduction in our bond exposure because of Rates were so low, they had to go up and the fears of coming inflation and then Russia and COVID made it worse. So it's a good move in hindsight. But um, that's not something that you tend to hold on to for the longest of time when you start to see inflationary numbers fade a bit. Another way to look at this is some of the previous large drops and what happened 12 months later. And this is a big reason why you do not try to time the stock market. If you look at Black Monday... That, that was uh, when the market just fell off a cliff in a very short period of time. August 25th, 1987, the market started to decline and bottomed in 12,487. So for four months, it was down 33.5%. But then the next 12 months, it was up 21.4%. The Gulf War, July of 1990 to October of 1990, that's how long the market took to, to decline. So it was a three-month decline down almost 20%. The next 12 months, it was up 29%. Asian monetary crisis, remember that? That was 1998, July of 1998. It's about a month and a half where the market fell 19.3% in 1998. But the next 12 months, it was up almost 38%. Then you had the tech bubble. Started doing radio with Rob in 1999. And uh, we started to see these elevated prices that were just ridiculous. Um, and the, 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 the stock market, if you look at the S and P 500 started to March 27th of the year 2000, and it didn't bottom until October 9th of 2002. There was a 49% decline to the downside. The next 12 months, the market was up almost 34% and then just skyrocketed until 2007. The financial crisis. Oh gosh. Rough, rough time, that was for sure. That was um, October 9th of 2007, the stock market topped out. It didn't bottom until March 9th of 2009. I remember doing a conference call for all of our clients, March 12th of 2009, saying this is way too overdone. Do not sell. Uh, if anything, it's time to buy because the the hit to company's revenue did not match the hit to the stock price. Sure enough, the market was up 68.7% 12 months later. Then we got the trade war. Everybody's already forgotten about this, but remember the trade war? Uh, October 2018 lasted two and a half months to December. Market was down 19.6%. 12 months later, the market was up 37%. And then again, we got the COVID sell-off that lasted... A month and three days in 2020, from February 20 to, to March 23rd, 2020, market was down 33.8 percent. Small caps and other types of funds down more like 48 percent. Twelve months later, the market was up 77.8 percent. So there you go. What do we typically see in terms of declines? Because guys, this is not a, a, an extra This is not some kind of a crazy market that's happening here. Um, media just wants you to click on stuff and it wants you to pay attention twenty four hours a day, so they sell on greed that was you know a year ago, and say everybody's saying how good things were on media, and then they sell on fear they get you to click. if we look at the history of declines in the stock market from nineteen fifty two to twenty twenty one we've had 187 5% corrections in the stock market. Every four and a half months, we're supposed to see those. We've had 57 10% corrections. So every 1.2 years, we see a 10% correction in the market. We've had 21 15% declines. Every 3.3 years, you should be expecting in your portfolio to see a 21% decline. That means a million dollar portfolio down 210%. Or, I'm sorry, 15% decline. So a million dollar portfolio down 150 grand, but then a quick recovery. Since 1952, we've had 12, 20% corrections. They occur every 5.8 years. We just went a long period of time where we didn't have a real one. We got close in 2018, like I just mentioned, but it took, and finally in 2020, we saw one, and then 2022. So this is completely normal a lot of people wonder about that because here's what happens on your financial planning projections when you go to uh, online or financial advice you got to plug in a rate of return right and you are looking at this linear cash flow model where here's my income from social security growing with inflation at i wouldn't go more than 1 or 2% here's uh, my pension that doesn't grow here's some real estate income that can grow here's dividends for from my stock and, and and then you've got to Say okay, what what blended rate of return do I want to use to see how long my money is going to last based on what I'm drawing from it? And you're plugging in typical rate of return, and you're really supposed to use a number on a linear cash flow model less than six percent, in my opinion, to to make sure you're being conservative with a balanced portfolio. If you go through you know a decade like 2007 to 2017. So I can 100% assure you, your financial planning projection with a linear cash flow model is 100% going to be wrong because the market doesn't do that. Does the market average 10, 11% over your lifetime? Absolutely. But remember what I just said: the average return over the last 50 years, when the market's positive, is 19%. But when it's negative, it's negative 14%. And it's positive 70, to, and I would say 70% of the time. This, this one example I gave was 78 over the last 50 years. So this is completely normal. What are some of the things that you should be doing when you see a correction? And and if we go into a good recession, can it get worse? Yeah, it can. But if you're younger, 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, increase your monthly contributions. Fund your Roth IRAs. If you're already maxing your 401k and funding your Roth IRA, find out if your company offers a mega Roth 401k, which allows you to put in after-tax dollars and get that converted to the Roth and getting this tax-free bucket. Start contributing to an after-tax brokerage account. It's so easy to set some of those things up even at 50 bucks a month on contributions with apps like Acorn, which even my kids use. Make sure when you buy stuff, if you're going shopping to buy stuff and you're buying ETFs and stocks that pay dividends, make sure after you purchase them that you go in and make sure that you're reinvesting dividends. If you're trying to build wealth, you want to be reinvesting your dividends. Once you hit retirement, it's a different story. You want to take those dividends and, and make sure that they're replenishing your cash. In a large taxable account, you got to do some tax loss harvesting. And if you're retired, consider IRA to Roth conversions. Part of a big part of retirement planning is, hey, look, the stock market's going to take really good care of us over time. The issue is, is how do you set up your portfolio for the distribution phase of life? And that's what I've been, in it. I've been specializing in since 19 years old when I got into this business with my grandfather. And he was in his 60s. All his clients were older than him. So I saw that end of it. I mean, I just love the stock market. I definitely prefer stocks over real estate, even though I own both. But it's the it's the mistakes that you make when the market is down or it's the greed when the market's elevated that can happen. You just got to have an even approach and stick with it. So we've talked about... The number of times the stock market has corrected throughout history. And so when it does have a correction, how long does it typically take to recover? I was looking at, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12 bear markets from 1950 to current. And when you look at all of them, when the, the bear market decline was less than 22%, it took only seven months on average to make up those losses. But when you get a correction that is worse than 22% to the downsides, we're not there yet. Um, it typically takes 27 months to get back up to recovery. So part of investing is you have to realize that about every 10 years, you go through a somewhere between a seven to 27 month painful period. That's what happens. The market gets ahead of itself. The economy overheats. It's got to slow down. And we go through anywhere from 7 to 27 months of a tough time. Now, so far, I'm thinking, you know, 6 to 12 months. But it's really about these structural inflationary numbers and the supply chain issues that are occurring. Um, And also how our administration deals with some of these issues. In terms of allowing, you know, having a a real focus on uh, a better form of energy in the long term, but realizing that families are struggling right now because of gas prices, that has to be helped. And also, there's too much garbage going on in the world of farming, where we need to be producing more food here, plain and simple. And I, I see nothing at this administration doing that. So I'm not going to get off on that. So it's bucks, but getting back to some of the things that you should be doing. If you're younger, increase your contributions, finds a way to buy through this. Now it's going it, to, it could feel awful that you're buying and continuing to buy down for the next, like I said, seven to 27 months, but man. in a decade later, you're going to feel pretty darn wealthy. If you have a taxable account, so a non-retirement account and you're investing in stocks and, and bonds, especially in bonds too, being down loss, harvesting you have to, to actively manage your taxes in a, in a taxable account so if, if you've invested in something and it's in a non-retirement account if you sell it you can take a tax loss you can you can basically create like a, a credit against future capital gains but you still want to stay invested so we, we do tax loss swaps So for an example, let's say you're investing in the S&P 500 through like SPY or IVV or VOO. Now, you can't sell SPY at a loss and buy IVV or uh, VOO because those are both S&P 500. Those are all S&P 500 indexes. But you could sell SPY and immediately take your proceeds and go half into VUG and half into VTV, which is a large cap growth and a large cap value. ETF out of Vanguard. None of these are recommendations. It's just for example. And that way your money is still invested in the stock market, but you've secured the loss. You have a loss that you can write off against other gains. So for example, we've been—if if you've got a piece of real estate you're selling this year or a business, the losses in those accounts can even help offset those capital gains. And if you don't use up those capital losses... You can carry them forward indefinitely and you'll eventually use them either in a year where you have to rebalance at the top or in a year when you retire to start drawing on your portfolio. So active tax loss harvesting, swapping a stock for an ETF or an ETF for a couple of other ones, you've, you've just got to do it. It's about as much as I can explain on this one. And if you're retired, especially if you're before the age of 72, you're looking at your IRA dropping and you're, 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 you've you're been hearing me talk about the idea of maxing out tax brackets to move money from an IRA, paying taxes at the current bracket that you're at now, which is going to be lower than when you're 72 in most cases because of required minimum distributions. So you can move IRA money to a Roth and just pay the taxes now from outside money, from you know your bank account, pay the taxes. But when, when you do it, be very specific. You look at stuff like small cap and tech oriented stuff that you want to hold for a long period of time. And you could, if you have a small cap ETF or a mutual fund in your IRA, you can do an in kind IRA to Roth conversion where you tell a Schwab or a Fidelity to move those shares over into your Roth IRA. It's a taxable event, but you're doing it with assets that have fallen really hard already. Right. And so that's something really, really wise to consider as long-term tax planning. You pay some taxes now while the market is, is down in exchange for tax-free growth for the rest of your life and a reduction in required minimum distributions after the age of 72. Beware of Irma, though. I'm going to do a, a show on fighting the increase in Medicare Part B premiums. We'll, we'll do that for a later show. If you want to find me, if you need help with your financial planning, your investment management, you can find me and my team of certified financial planner practitioners. Just go to chadburton.com. the chadburton.com company's EP, wealth, taxes, insurance, or taxes, uh, estate planning, investing, financial planning, we do it all. You can find me, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, iTunes for the podcast. It's all at chadburton.com. Have a great long weekend.